Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the, the revelation that comes forth from your word. We pray that the eyes of our hearts would be flooded with light. We pray that all of us would be strengthened with might by your Holy Spirit tonight in the inner man. Lord, give us a glimpse of the hope of your calling for each and individual life. Father, thank you for what we do not see. Help us to see what we do not know. Help us to know. And we declare tonight that we have the spirit of seeing and the spirit of knowing up on us. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, I do like the amplified version of this particular verse. So I'm going to read it to you. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord, be empowered through your union with Him. So we see then, first and foremost, that there comes an empowerment and a strength as we maintain a vital union with Him. As we maintain a vital union of fellowship through prayer, through the Word, and through praise, praise God, there comes an empowerment into our lives. And so he says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with Him. Draw your strength from Him. That strength which His boundless might provides. Now, I think it's very interesting. Of course, in the King James, he says, Finally, my brethren. The Amplified says, In conclusion. So this specific uh, exhortation on the full armor of God comes at the very end of the letter of the book of Ephesians. Now Ephesians deals with three basic truths and it's divided into chapters. From chapter 1 right on through chapter 3, it deals with what we could call the wealth of the believer. And in the wealth of the believer, we see that we have obtained an inheritance in him. We see that we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his dear son. We see that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, the very handiwork of God. We are his masterpieces. In Ephesians chapter 1 through Ephesians chapter 3 is just loaded with revelation concerning what we have and who we are now that we're born again believers. In For example, in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then, of course, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 23, that great prayer of the Apostle Paul, praying for the eyes of our heart to be enlightened. And then you look over at Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm telling you, it's just jam-packed with revelation. It says, by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. All down through chapter 2, it talks about who we are, what we have, and what about the dispensation of the grace of God that we're in. And then in Ephesians chapter 3, he talks about being strengthened and being reinforced by his mighty power and getting an understanding and a revelation of how great his love is for us. And I love at the end of chapter 3, he says, now unto him that's able to do 
exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that's at work within us. And so he talks about the wealth of the believer. I exhort you, encourage you to take a look at Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 and be blessed by that wealth. And then chapter 4, right on till chapter 6, verse 9, through chapter 6, verse 9, it talks about the walk of the believer. So the walk of the believer deals with how that those who are wealthy in Christ, those that have been placed in such a degree in heavenly place with him, how we're to live here on earth. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness of mind and so on. And so he, he deals with walking in love and he deals with not allowing corrupt communication to proceed out of our mouth. But our words should be filled and flooded with the grace of God. And he deals with being kind to one another and tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Uh, and even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. I mean, it's just awesome. Ephesians chapter 4. And then you go to Ephesians chapter 5. It also deals with the... The walk of the believer, it deals with us being the bride of Christ, him being our heavenly groom, how husbands are to treat their wives, and how wives are to reverence their husbands. See, it's a twofold thing. How the wives are to submit to their husbands, but only as the husband is submissive to Christ. And so it's just a beautiful picture of how we are to live this life in Christ Jesus. So it deals with the walk of the believer. And then you come to the end of this great epistle, to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, in conclusion now. So now he's going over into the area of the warfare of the believer. Okay? So there is a battle that we fight, is there not? Now it's a fixed fight, and the battle's already been won, but you still got to show up. You can't roll over and play dead or play like you got the victory. You got to rise up and stand up. So that's what we're going to talk about is, is standing up. In conclusion, my brother, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with Him. Draw your strength from Him. That strength, which is boundless, might provides. Now it's interesting, he says, first you must be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And then secondly, as a result of that, you then can put on the whole or the full armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, um, verse 11, right after he says, Be strong in the power of his might, he says, By putting on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So the equipping for this warfare that you and I are engaged in begins by us being strong in Him and in the power of His might. The Word never told you to be strong in yourself. The Word never told you to trust in yourself. But the Word tells you to be strong in Him. It's like when a person goes into the army or goes into the Marines. What they basically tell you is, Okay, soldier, we're going to give you the best weapons... And armor that's available and that is possible. But first, we've got to make you sure that you are strong. And so that you're able to utilize the weapons that we give you. How many of you have been in the military? You know that's true. So there's a basic training that you go through. Okay? 
And so we see and understand that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. But you've got to be familiar with your weapons. Learn how to use them, being strengthened with God and by God every day so that you can use the weapons accurately that He gives you. Amen? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So when that word might there, we don't want to go into a real in-depth Greek study. But the word might there is inherent power or force. Inherent power or force. A a muscular man like Donnie Moore. Donnie Moore, uh, Brother Donnie Moore bench presses 500 pounds plus. So a a big guy like Donnie, a strong man, um, he has might, right? He has might. But he might not be using that might. But we could say that that might that Donnie has is on reserve. Okay? Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Well, the power is the exercise of that might. So when Donnie uses his might to bend an iron bar, he's using his power. It means that the reserve of strength is actually in operation. And God wants us to be developed and to be strengthened so that when it's time to use His mighty power, we'll be able to use it wisely. How many of you know that God has got some vast reservoirs? I mean, He's got vast reservoirs of might that can be realized in our Christian life. But you know what? His might doesn't work in us as we sit by passively. His might, however, works in you and works in me as we rely on it and step out to do the work that He's given us to do. Now notice with me in verse 11 again. Read it with me. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the what? You suppose God has given you enough equipment to stand? He sends you into this world, hallelujah, with everything you need. I mean, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Now, let's look at the fact of spiritual warfare. Look at verse 12, and let's read that together. Here's our Bible study tonight. Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Let's stop right there and keep that up there. Your battle is not with human beings. Right? Your battle's not with your wife. Your battle's not with your boss. Your battle is not with that person behind the counter. The battle that you are facing is not with flesh and blood. But how many times do we forget that? And we step out of the spirit into the arena of the flesh and get into strife. But our battle is not with flesh and blood. But the battle is with this. The battle is... Against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world or of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, listed there are different classes, if you will, and different ranks of evil spirits. Now, my purpose in this is not to go into the different ranks and different classes 
But understand this, that Satan himself has little emissaries and little imps that he assigns oftentimes to our life. Nothing to fear, it's just a fact. You'll notice that this one, the rulers of the darkness of this world, that's a higher level, that's a higher class, if you will, of evil spirit. Oftentimes, a ruler of the darkness can be sensed when you go into a city that's full of darkness. Okay? But again, spiritual wickedness in high places. So, notice with me that there is a battle. Now, I want to couple that verse. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 4. It's like we're in a Bible school tonight, so just receive the word. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 4, notice this particular statement. But though we walk in the flesh, so we are living where? We're living in the flesh, and yet we're in the Spirit. How can you walk in the Spirit and be living in the flesh? Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, the Bible says, you will not fulfill the lust or the desires of the flesh. Okay? So basically what this is saying, though we live in this world, though we are living in the flesh, thank God we are not of this world, and we don't have to be dominated by the flesh. See, the main way and the major way that believers are dominated by, by the flesh is, is they're carnally minded. For to be carnally minded, the Bible says, is flesh. Okay, is death. For though we walk, for the weapons of our warfare, they're what? Now, what does that mean they're not carnal? In other words, the weapons that God gave us for this warfare do not originate in the flesh. They're not carnal. They're not after man. Their origins don't come from the flesh. But these weapons, what are they? Where do we see that word? Be strong in the Lord and the power of His. But mighty through God for what? The pulling down of strongholds. Wicked spirits in high places need to be pulled down. Rulers of the darkness of this world need to be exercised dominion over. Principalities and powers literally have already been put under your feet. But you've got to keep them there. And you must exercise your authority and walk on top of serpents and scorpions every day of your life. And that's why he's reminding of us of the weapons of our warfare. Mighty weapons. Mighty God. Mighty name above every name. A mighty word which he upholds the whole universe by. The mighty power of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. The mighty power of the blood of Jesus. Can you shout amen? Amen. Now we learn about these principalities and powers from other passages in the New Testament. Let me just read a couple of them to you without putting them up there. In Romans 8.38, basically it tells us that the principalities and powers of this age can not ever separate you from the love of God. No demon can separate you from God's love for you. 
Neither can height nor depth nor any other creature separate you from his love. Ephesians 1, 20, verse 21 tells us that Jesus has been raised to the highest place of the universe and that you were raised with him when you got born again. Now notice it says far above, not just a little bit above, but far above all what? Principalities and powers and might and dominion. That's something to get happy about tonight. Glory to God. We sing that song, Under My Feet. Now the victory is complete. Yeah. Colossians 2.15 tells us that Jesus <laughs> disarmed principalities and powers. And he made a show of that stinker openly, triumphing over them in it. And so we understand that the devil is not such a hot rod. We understand that he's not all that he's cracked up to be. He is a defeated foe. He has come to naught. Amen? So then, we don't have to be afraid of him. Listen, thoughts of fear, those thoughts of fear that come to your soul to tell you things like, you know, whatever, you're going to die young or you're not going to be able to pay your bills or your kids are going to rebel and, you know, that, that little growth on your shoulder is cancer, all that junk. All those thoughts are thoughts of fear. And those thoughts of fear are from evil spirits. That's why we are not to entertain fear. Because if we entertain fear, the thing that we greatly feared can come upon us. Okay? What we want to do is entertain the word. Because faith is the victory that overcomes fear. Amen? And so, you know, when it talks about principalities and powers, wicked spirits in high places, don't get, you know, real spooky about this. Fear is a spirit. Did you know that unbelief can even be caused by an evil spirit? So, we need to understand that in this battle, we've already got the upper hand. Now, in Ephesians 6, 11 again, and I'm going to read that from the uh, Amplified Version. And uh, you can pull that up there if you would. Ephesians 6, 11, the Amplified says this. Put on God's whole armor, the army of a heavy-armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be able to successfully stand up. Stand up. Stand up. The seven ups. Stand up. That you may be able to successfully stand up. Listen, God's ability through His empowerment and His armor gives you the ability to stand up. And this is not natural ability. This is supernatural ability. This is power from on high, brother. You can stand up. Have an eyeball-to-eyeball confrontation. And do it successfully. Stand up. Against what, Paul? Well, against all the strategies. Okay, strategies. What's a strategy? A strategy is a plan. Okay? When... The 49ers and the Ravens played. They 
Both coaches had a game plan. They had a strategy. It was a well thought out, well planned out plan or strategy. And the enemy does the same thing. He is looking for a topos in your life. Neither give place to the devil. The word place there is topos. We get our word topography from it. Neither give any topography or land of your life to the enemy. Amen? And so, when we have this armor on, we have his ability to successfully, everyone say, stand up. Stand up. Now notice, against most of the strategies. Oh. Understand this, what Gloria Copeland said years ago, Satan is limited in his warfare against you, but we are unlimited in our warfare against him. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And so, notice with me, plural, all the strategies. The ability of God overcomes all the strategies and the deceits or the wiles of the devil. Jerry Savelle said years ago, if Satan can deceive you, he can defeat you. If Satan can deceive you, what can he do? He can defeat you. But if he cannot deceive you, he cannot defeat you. Okay? So that is his, probably his number one strategy is deception. You know? So stand with the armor of God on and you'll be able to whip the devil every time. All right? Now notice verse 13. Notice verse 13. I don't care if it's in the Amplified or King James. Let's read it together. Therefore, put on God's complete armor. Let's stop right there. The helmet itself won't do. Right? The, 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 the uh, belt of truth alone won't do. All of the armor is in concert with one another. Put on God's complete armor. That you may be able. There's that word again. When you have on the armor of God, you have ability. Ability to do what? To resist and stand your ground. We're already standing up. But now while we're standing up, we're standing our ground. Okay? On the evil day of danger. And having done all that the crisis demands. I can remember my spiritual father saying this years ago, he said that the crises of life come to us all. Okay? The crises of life come to us all. And he said, if you have not yet faced a crisis, all that means is you haven't gone very far yet. So be very careful then how you treat another brother or a sister that is going through a crisis. Because surely... And possibly, if you are going through the same crisis, you may not do half as well. You know? And so we need to be loving and uh, not haughty with our faith and judgmental. That's a good word. All right, so anyway, resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger and having done all that the crisis demands, okay? 
Stand firmly in your place. So evidently, there are some things to do while we're standing up. Okay? The crisis comes. And what the crisis will do is it will put a demand on what's on the inside of you. That is why you want to take time to maintain that union with Him. Amen? Because there's going to be a demand on what's in you. Okay? Stand firmly. Everyone say, stand firmly. In your place. Now, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand... And uh, just that, that one word, able, is really sticking out to me tonight. So let's look over at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Let's see that word again. Okay, the crisis comes. All right, we don't be afraid of that. Right? Be forewarned is to be what? Forearmed. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, I'll wait to get over there. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Now, let's pull it up in the King James if we, if we could, because I, I want to quote it from there if we can. That's, that's real long. That's a great one, but it's too long. We want to get out of here by 8.30, quarter to 9. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. Okay, so what we're going through, somebody's already been through. And if you don't know a human that's been through it, know this, that Jesus has been through it. He's the way. He's the way maker. He's already been there. Such as is common to man. But God is what? Always remember this. God's faithful. I like what Donnie said, man, it was so good. When you can't trace God, you can trust Him. Just know this, God's faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above what? Above that you are what? Say this with me. I am able, through the whole armor of God, as I put it on, completely, and keep it on. Above that you are able... But now will with the temptation also make a way to escape. There's the word able again. That you may be what? That you may be able to bear it. But not just bear it, overcome it and come to a safe landing place. Come through on the other side and through the trial and the test come out shining. Amen. I want to read what a commentator said, and this is going to be a little lengthy, but just listen to it. It's, it's good stuff. Many Christians have a wrong idea about spiritual warfare. They picture the Christian army as assaulting the kingdom of hell and on patrol against demons and spiritual enemies. Much of this is based on a misunderstanding of Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Let's look at Matthew 16, verse 18 quickly. You could pull that up in the King James Version. Now listen very carefully and track with me because this is good revelation. In Matthew 16, 18, the context, of course, Jesus is saying to his disciples, Whom do men say that I am? 
Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And uh, so Jesus says to Peter, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this great rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church. Now notice, read the last phrase with me. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus say the gates of hell shall not prevail? And he said that in the setting of Peter's revelation that he is the Christ. As long as he is on the throne, and that's forever and ever and ever, there's no fear of hell. There's no fear of devils. There's no no fear of demons. So now listen, the writer says, it's easy to see how a great first reading of this passage gives the picture of the church as an assaulting army, bombarding the gates of hell, and plundering hell and conquering it. Jesus already did that. The problem is this, that this understanding is completely inconsistent with the rest of scriptures. Nowhere do we read of the church assaulting or conquering hell in this way. Instead, we should understand what is meant by the phrase, the gates of hell. Are you listening? In the ancient world, the commentator says, the city council, the judges... And city leadership gathered together at the gates of the city. It was the place where uh, where the city life was planned, organized, and strategized. It is in this sense that Jesus speaks of the gates of Hades. He means that no satanic strategy, no plot from hell will ultimately succeed against the church. Now, I love this. He said, instead of picturing the army of the Lord, the church, seeking out and attacking some kind of demonic fortress, we are to have the idea that Jesus illustrated in his ministry. Jesus didn't patrol around looking for demons to conquer. That would almost be allowing demons to set the agenda for his ministry. Instead, Jesus knew what God the Father wanted him to do. He set about doing it and he dealt with satanic opposition when it arose. When satanic opposition raised itself, Jesus stood against it and was not moved. I grew up in the, in the church, in the body of Christ in the 70s. And Brenda and I have seen a lot of things. And one of the imbalances in the body of Christ and in the charismatic movement early in the days of the movement was people were more demon conscious than they were Jesus conscious. It was demons on doorknobs. If you coughed, you must have a spirit of coughing. They were looking for pigs in the parlor, hogs in the hallway. I mean, it was so imbalanced you remember as a baby Christian, truly, I was just born again, maybe a few months, maybe a few months. And you need to understand that I came out of a dark background. When I was on drugs, I saw things that you wouldn't want to talk about, demonic things. And so I am sure that when I went into a treatment center, I had a truckload of them. Okay, but the blood. 
but the blood. But the born again experience delivered me out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And, then, you know, Jim Cason was my first pastor. And he was a great pastor because he came fresh out of Ramah. And he had all this understanding and revelation of who you are in Christ. And that's what new believers need more than anything. They need an understanding of who he is and who they are in him and what they can do through him and because of him. Not how many demons they might have. But I went to this one Bible study and they were casting out devils. And sure enough, they sat me down. And supposedly I had this devil and had that devil. But I went home scared. I never thought that I had a demon once I got born again. But this was planted into my mind. And what set in was fear. You know? And so I had to whistle in the dark for a while. Until I got a revelation. Come on, somebody. The greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I now have authority to put the devil on the run. And what I previously yielded to, I don't have to yield to anymore. I'm blood-bought, born again, spirit-filled, good to the bone. Not bad to the bone, good to the bone. Amen. But that's the kind of, you know, atmosphere that was in the 70s. I mean, it was, it was really imbalanced. So instead of picturing the army of the church seeking out and attacking some kind of demonic fortress, we have to have the idea that Jesus illustrated in his ministry. Amen? So the idea is that God has given you and I a call, a mission, a course to fulfill. Has he not? And Satan will do his best to stop it. But when he attacks and intimidates, you and I are to stand. We are to take our dominion and not be back off and not be afraid. I believe that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, is an energetic church. That advances the kingdom of God so vigorously. This is what we're going to do in March. We're going to advance the kingdom so vigorously. I like that word, vigorously. That it really shakes the councils of hell. But you see, we don't let principalities and powers set our agenda. We do the Lord's work. And we stand against every hint of spiritual opposition. Just think about all of the great scriptures in the word of God about stand. Everyone say stand. stand. We're to stand in grace. We're to stand in faith. We're to stand in liberty. Look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Galatians the 5th chapter, the first verse. This is great scripture, especially, you know, if you've just come out of something. You know, the enemy would like to put you back into where you were. Right? Okay. But you can stand. In uh, Galatians 5.1, read it with me. Stand fast. Therefore, in the bondage wherewith Christ has entangled you. Oh, no, no, I'm reading it wrong. No, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with what? Now, what this simply tells us is this. The yoke of bondage will try to come back. But if you will stand up. 
And if you will stand fast in that freedom wherewith Christ has purchased you for, you can be free every day of your life. I mean every day. Whatever you've been freed from, whatever you've been set free from, don't think it's strange. The devil knocks on your door. Don't think it's strange that you might be offered drugs. Don't think it's strange that a young lady may throw herself at you. Just don't think it's strange. But stand fast. Stand fast. Stand up for Christ. And you will not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And by the way, those that haven't done this should not be put down. Those that haven't done this should be lifted up. And those that haven't done this should be loved. Especially in the local church. Grease my spirit. Throughout the years, you know, as a pastor, you see a lot of things. You see people backslide. You see divorces happen. You see a lot of things happen that you wish didn't happen. But you know what? God still loves people. And the hand of the Lord is still upon his people for good. Even though they might have messed up. Even though they might have failed. God's still good. And I serve a restoring God. A God who always welcomes people back into his presence with open arms and with love. And that is exactly what the members and the friends and the partners of a church should be doing as well. Our arms should be like this. It's so good to see you. Not what happened to you, backslidden buzzard. You're going to have to catch up with all the revelations that's been going on here. You've been out of church for three years. Yeah, and you haven't learned to keep your mouth shut. The body of Christ is a restoration place. See, the body of Christ, the local church, should be a safe landing place. There's people on the outside of these walls. You don't know the hell they've been through. And the last thing people should have to do is explain themselves when they come into this place. The presence of God should be there to help them and to lift them. And to bless them. We're to stand fast in the Lord. We are to stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Last scripture, 1 Peter 5, 8. I'm not even getting close to where I wanted to go tonight. But how many of you know it's still good? What we're going to do is we're going to do an in-depth study on the whole armor of God. Piece by piece. We're going to look at the, the belt of truth next week. The loins girt about with truth. But let me just close with this in 1 Peter 5, 8. It says this, be sober. That's a thought. <laughs> be vigilant. Because your adversary, he's an opponent, the devil. As a roaring lion, he what? does what? Walks about seeking whom he may, he may devour. Your confession should be, I'm standing up. I'm standing fast. And he may not devour me. 
So in closing this tonight, number one, we're going to be attacked. Number two, we must not be afraid. We must not droop or slouch or be uncertain or half-hearted just because we've been attacked. We cannot allow any self-pity into the city of our soul. Tonight we've also encouraged you to be at your best, standing strong, standing up, in position and alert. Amen? And we've also learned that we should not ever, ever give a thought of retreat. We should not be backing off. We should be about our Father's business and faith. Everyone stand to your feet and let's make a couple confessions tonight. Say it with me. There is no fear in my spirit. Spirit of fear, I come against you. I'm standing up. And I put on this whole armor of God. I declare tonight that I am strong in the Lord. And in the power of your might. Therefore, when the schemes and strategies and plans of evil spirits come against my life, I do not retreat. I do not back down or back off. But I stand up clothed with power, with might, and with the whole armor of God on. I declare tonight, my very loins, they're girded about with truth. I got on the breastplate of righteousness. And I take this shield of faith, and with the shield of faith, I quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one. My feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I'm more than ready. I got on the helmet of the salvation. I got the mind of Christ. And my sword is sharp. I have the Machaira of the Spirit. And with faith-filled words, I shred all the wiles of the enemy. And now, Lord, I lift my hands and I give you glory. Hallelujah. Pray with me just a moment in the spirit. Basso Ramande. Let a moshele farrene de bostele dele. Ambro cofishele falando la bastea. Nomboridiste levaya. Thank you, Father. In 2013, we are standing up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. Get a little sassy where the devil's concerned. Hook your speaker up with your heart and lift your voice and speak up as you're standing in faith for the glory of God. Amen? Well, I hope you got something out of this tonight. God's good. Amen. He is good. And he is faithful.